and welcome to episode 29, God, I can't believe we're at 29, uh, of the 1099 for the week of February 15th, 2016. I'm your host, as always, Josiah Renauden, the editor and community manager for Tan Gentleman, as well as a former writer for GameSpot and IGN. And with me today is a returning guest, the host of the Tommy Toehold Show, as well as the co-host of the Bushido Talk podcast, and an all-around swell guy, Tommy Toehold. Tommy, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. That I feel like that intro just keeps getting longer. Like there's all these different titles I'm throwing on there. Like I was gonna start adding more titles to make it sound ridiculous for you. <laughs> I wanted just to cut it short. <laughs> no, it's crazy. I've got like six or seven things going on right now, and it's uh, I'm loving it though. I'm having a good time. Yeah, the more stuff to do, the better. It's fun. Uh, exactly. So this is not a normal podcast, which I've said like one other time before. We did the game of the year uh, late last year. And normally these podcasts are me interviewing someone and talk about their career and different tips and stuff like that. But we already did that with Tommy. So we, okay, here's how this started. So I played Firewatch and I really liked Firewatch and I want to talk about Firewatch. And Tommy saw that tweet and was like, I'm going to buy Firewatch and play Firewatch. And then he Twitters me, direct messages me. and was like, we should talk about Firewatch on a podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, we should totally do that. Also, I just want to talk about video games because uh, I don't get a, a, a many chances to just sit around and talk about games I'm excited for. And something I recently noticed when I stepped away from covering games, which was like a six year stretch of like news and reviews and interviews and all these different things. Um, I think I started to appreciate games more, which sounds strange, but I think this happens to a few people where when it becomes such a business and you're trying to hit deadlines for review and you, it takes a bit of the the joy you had before away from it. And I've had a recent chance to sit down. I beat um Halo 5, Rise of the Tomb Raider, The Witcher 3, and then Firewatch. And I was just like having fun with games again. And it got me excited to talk about them again. So I thought this would be a great chance to be like, well, let's talk about Firewatch for a bit. And then let's talk about games in 2016 we're really excited to play since... I don't know. If that, you mentioned you have a lot of games on your list. This year looks cool. Like, it does. Yeah. There's just a lot going on. There's already a lot that's come out that I'm like, man, this is really rad. So just a warning. If you haven't played Firewatch yet, we're going to spoil the shit out of it because uh, <laughs> I think that's the only way to handle this conversation. So, Oh, I'll, yeah. It's a very story-focused game. Um, we're not just going to be like, I don't know. The walking feels pretty good. Moving on. Right. Like, there's <laughs> more to it than that. Uh, so I'll put a timestamp in the description. So if you'd prefer to just hear us talk about games we're excited about, just skip right ahead to that. Uh, because I think, I'm not saying everyone's going to like Firewatch. I'm not saying Firewatch is the game of the year. But I think people should play Firewatch. My, if, here's my recommendation. Go play Firewatch. Uh, so if you haven't yet, go do that and then listen to this. If you have, I hope you enjoy this hopefully in-depth, interesting conversation on this, uh, what a lot of people like to call a walking simulator. And those people are assholes. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, let's start the Firewatch talk now then, because when I was I was playing this game, uh, I think I beat it in three sittings. So it was like an hour, an hour, and then like three because I couldn't stop. How many sittings did you play this in? One setting. Oh, uh, damn. One setting. So here's, okay, so I rarely have time to even play a video game uh, for fun anymore, let alone, well, I shouldn't say not for fun because I do, you know, I have that gaming channel and we do it. I mean, obviously I'm playing the game and I'm enjoying it, but I mean like, just like not work related. And you suggested this game, and just happenstance, that particular day, somehow, I had, like, time. Like, a lot more time than I normally do. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to pop this in. I'm going to play it. 
I got it on PS4, so I didn't pop it in. I downloaded it. But um, I download the game, and uh, I start getting into it, and I was like, you know what? I imagine this game is not entirely too long. I'm just going to see if I can get through this whole thing in one setting. Because I, I wanted to talk to you about it. So that was the other thing that was driving that force. I was like, you know, he's already played it. I want to get through it as quick as I can so we can talk about it. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it still. I didn't, like, you know, rush through the game and, like, yeah, skip dialogue. Like, oh, I hate this shit. But I yeah, got, yeah, oh. I wasn't, like, you know, trying to get through It's not a game for, like, speed running. I can't, like, you can't just run through it. Yeah. But um, I did. I did it in one setting. Man. So it was funny because the way I had pitched this to you, I think, is I said, Firewatch is the scariest game I've ever played. Like, th- this is a horror game, which is not inherently true uh yeah (laughs) but there are there's a sense of tension in this game um because you're so isolated that i remember like maybe when it starts to really ramp up and you first get like knocked out by someone you didn't see and you could tell like people are watching you uh that scared like i almost had to stop playing because it was like midnight when i was playing it might have been drinking a little but not enough to you know i wasn't <laughs> drunk i was you know casually drinking uh, and it just got to this point where i'm like oh my god like i felt like someone was over my own shoulder in real life while i was playing this game and it's it does that through just wonderful sound design like there's there are moments where it's really quiet and all you really hear about it, all you really hear is just the the sounds of your environment the the, the branches the the wind the leaves uh maybe you step on a twig and it cracks. You're like, was that me? Was that someone behind me? And just to give people a brief overview, uh, you know, Firewatch is a game about uh, his the main guy's name is Henry, and yes. your your or wife, Hank, depending yeah, or on uh... true, yeah, <laughs> Hank. She she gets she calls him Hank all the time. Uh, so and once again, we're spoiling this right at the start. Uh, you go through this kind of dialogue tree sequence where you're learning about, you know, you, you meet this girl, you fall in love, you get married, you get a dog. What, what did you name your dog? Uh, I did the um, oh, crap. Uh, the, the, uh, the option on the left, it was um, there's the small dog and there's the big dog. It was a small dog. I got the small Buckets. dog. Buckets. I named yeah. my dog Buckets. Me too. I, yeah. Cool. That was the moment. Like a lot of the the, the choices are. Um, there's, I wish there's always like a third one where I'm like, no, but I want to do this instead because it was very right. much like she likes this dog, but you kind of want to get this big protective dog. I'm like, no, you, she's the one who suggested the dog. I'm gonna get the dog for her. Right, uh, that's how I thought of it too. So you go through all that, and then you know the the relationship starts to kind of break apart a bit. Uh, you realize that she's ill. She end up, you know, she has dementia and uh, needs to be taken care of by her family. You go to visit her, and she doesn't even recognize you sometimes. Um, she you know, put her into a home. And it's, it's a sad story because she's very young. I think she's in her early 40s when it really she starts is. on. It was honestly – I was shocked at how effective it was. Yes. Like, I, I don't know if I was just like it was my mood that day or anything. But I remember like going through that, that first sequence just being like, this is super sad. Like I'm like yeah. really down right now. Like It really put you in the right space for the character of Henry – who you know is doing this job to get away? I'm not. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but no, you're good. Um, it it does get you, you know, and it's weird because it doesn't honestly have too much to do with the events of the game, mm-hmm. but it does make you understand why your character is out there. Yes. And again, you wouldn't think with just some soft piano music and some dialogue trees that it would be that effective, but it really is poignant. I, I was actually I was really surprised. That they could draw that much emotion out 
just from some text. It's such um, a unique way to do it. Yeah, it, yeah, I totally agree. It gets you in the shoes. I mean, even if you don't exactly relate with this character, you understand him immediately. Whether you like him and you like can sympathize for him and empathize for him, or you're like, this motherfucker's running away from right. his sick wife. What is he doing? But yeah, you don't even see anything. It's just like you said, it's piano music. It's just these, you know, different words on the screen. It's it's nothing that you know stupendous and amazing and over the top. But it really gets you in this place. It gets you in this mindset, going in. And uh, you know, then you go, you take this job out of the paper. You are watching fires. You're basically looking for you know stuff that's going down in this uh, woodsy area uh, where like a lot of people are hiking and stuff like that. And uh, you, it's really, it's, it's two main characters if we're talking about dialogue. It's, uh, Hank and it's Delilah and Delilah's, you know, also in another tower and has been doing this for much longer. And obviously, you know, right away you could tell like, she's not a, a single layer. She's, she, she's like an onion. She has many layers. There's, there's a lot going on with her in the same way. There's a lot going on with Henry. Yes. And, uh, you kind of understand and learn about each other over this walkie talkie, which I have to say. That walkie-talkie system is extremely cool. It uh, was very yeah. cool. It's there's not a lot like that because you, you know you never see her, and this goes right back to that horror aspect for me. Is that the only character you see is not even full like all of you. You see your hands or your feet sometimes when you're uh, going down like a ridge or anything like that, and that is what so, for some reason made this so scary for me because. Uh, once again, it, it builds tension. You're you're learning that um, someone is out there keeping track of everything you say on this walkie-talkie. You you of course you weren't alone before because you had Delilah, but someone else you have no idea about. You're not sure if you can trust Delilah because early on, and this is something I want to talk about. Uh, she thinks that she has turned off your walkie-talkie. And she starts talking to someone else and basically says like, "No, he doesn't know." And there's this conversation she's having with someone you have no idea about. And yeah. then you question her about it, and she gets very standoffish. And that's never really addressed, if you think about it. Unless I missed something, but I feel like... No, it's it's not addressed, but I think I think it's purposely not addressed. But I honestly, if you put the pieces together, at least in my eyes... Well, see, when I finished the game... I, again, I don't want to jump all the way to the end. Yeah, but when no. I finished, I sat there and I was like, I don't understand what just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a bit... Not confused, obviously. It's a very straightforward story, but... I thought there's something more here that I'm not really getting. And to me, it's Delilah and yeah. her relationship with the third man in the forest, it's which is Ned, Ned, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and that phone call, or that, I should say that radio call at the beginning of the game, once you finish the game, to me, it's like, okay, wait a second. Like, she was most likely talking to Ned or probably yeah. in some... so. It's weird because they make you fall for Delilah. They make her like the she could not be a more charming character. Mm. I mean, honestly, the voice like, acting in this game is amazing as well it's as the writing. Incredible. The the writing and the voice acting is so real, so natural. Like not since Gladys in Portal has there been a character I think that people would just listen to and be like, I instantly like want to hear this character talk all the time. Mm. And they really, you know, they they hit that hard early on. Uh, minus that weird, like you said, radio call, which you don't have to question her about. I questioned her about it too. Um, but I think that that sense of safety that they give you with Delilah is meant to 
again, keep you sort of in the dark like Henry is. Because to me, Henry at the end of the game is also kind of like, what the hell? Like, I don't really understand anything. Like, he even says to her on the on the radio as he's leaving in the fire, um, he says, like, what if we miss something? I feel like maybe we might have missed something. That's a big line to me, yeah. It, yeah, and I'm like, I really think Henry did miss something. Like, he didn't get the whole picture, especially with Delilah. And, um, yeah, again, I don't want to jump too far ahead. But, yeah, that was my thoughts about that first phone call or that first uh, dialogue you listened to between yeah. her and someone else. After I finished the game, at, at first I was just like, ah, maybe, you know, I'm just being paranoid, like she said. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's There's so, a lot going on here. <laughs> so much going on. And this is it's a strange argument because I, I would hate to review this game uh, because I don't know if I'm giving too much credit to the developers or not enough. Where, at the end, a lot of people did like, the, well, that was, you know, I saw a lot of people before I played this I say, like, that was a very unsatisfying ending. I feel like nothing was resolved. Um, or man, you're building up to what feels like this big villain. And then it's not really that big of a villain. It's kind of a guy who just runs away, but I feel like it's, it's almost left up to you to figure it out intentionally. But that once again goes to like, I really want to talk to one of the developers and be like, look, look, how much is this of this is intentional and how much of this where you're just like a good enough story, wrap a bow on this. Uh, Delilah probably, probably wasn't great, but that's not, you know, whatever. Like, I can't tell if I'm not totally sure. And it's, it's one of those games where um, I was talking to someone on Twitter last night, a friend of mine, and he was very much like, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like it wasn't resolved and it was kind of a bad ending. And for me, I a little bit had that sense at the start, but I'm like, you know what? Sit on it. Like, sit on it and read some stuff about it. And I had a lot of fun. I wish I remember the the actual YouTube account that did it, but um, this popular uh, YouTuber kind of had the theory about how Delilah had to in some way be associated with Ned. And while she wasn't trying to, like, kill you in any way it seemed like there was something there that happened i do think the genuine part is you, you as you go through the game you figure out that one of the people who used to have uh, your job i think or at least he was a hiker there uh is the person who's kind of been watching you um he's been there for a long time holed up in this weird area he's been there because he was with there with his son who was too young to be there but delilah kind of let it slide and then you find his son's body dead body in yeah. this cave and the first thought is like okay because you see like there's a rock on top of him and it looked like his like harness had snapped but it's like okay was this something that really happened did he actually fall or did someone set this up did he did his dad kill him and then make it set it up like this uh i think when delilah hears that she is crushed and i think that's genuine uh i don't think she knew about that so i agree i agree i don't think she knew that that had happened and you do get the sense that maybe ned had been lying to her their relationship is very bizarre there's honestly like if you really start to like think about what is happening it just makes it it gets more and more bizarre um the fact that this man has probably been interacting with her for however long that he's been there and his son is dead and he told her that you know the son went home and she had no idea. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think there's complexities that we're supposed to just sort of um, infer or figure out. And I do think it was intentional. Uh, if you look at the crew that made this game, because I looked it up immediately after I got done with it, I was like, who the hell made this? They've made some really great story-driven games, like the, the uh, Telltale Walking Dead games. Yep. I mean, so, like, this is definitely a crew that, one, is very good at writing, and two is certainly deliberate with their story writing. So I have a feeling 
what may feel like at first, because like you said, I, I could see why people would feel that way at the end where they're just like, eh, I don't know about the ending or like I, this, this is sort of ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's just so much more there to uncover if you go. This is certainly a game. You know, there's really not a lot of replay value in story driven games, but there is certainly replay value again. in this because yeah. now you have all the perspective and you can like look at it from a certain lens and be like, okay, let me look at it through this lens that I believe Delilah understands what's going on the entire time other than Ned's son dying. And then see, like, what certain decisions she's made and dialogue. Like, one of the things I noticed, and uh, this is something that made me suspicious of Delilah later in the game, was when you find Ned's camp, Mm. um, the uh, the tent area with all the... In the fenced-in area. Yeah. um, She talks about how... Uh, you're in this valley and she's she can't see like what's going on anymore so you have to like tell her what's going on Mm. um but in when you're there you know how you can when you look around it tells you what you're looking at yeah her towers in plain sight yeah you can see her tower from the opening that that you're in that place so delilah can 100 percent see that entire area she can see the fence she could see the tent set up and while maybe she's not constantly looking over in that area i would have to think that in her constant observing of everything in this forest all the time which is literally all she does all day that she would have noticed (laughs) that whole entire area it it, it makes no sense i mean yeah she for sure had to have known about if if not ned specifically that that area existed but she she played it off every single time you talked about the the fenced in area she was like oh that's weird you know like i can't or she didn't even know what the name of that place was. And she should um, have. How long has she been there? Ten years or something that's like what that? I mean. Something like, insane. That's what I mean. So, like, there was a lot that as time went on, I was like, she's, like, either holding information from me or I, I was very – I didn't – because I didn't have all the pieces yet. But at the end of the game, I thought, looking back now at those pieces, like, Delilah 100% was – I don't. but see, the, the thing I don't understand is to what end? Like, what was the purpose yeah. of her doing this did they just like messing with people like i don't really i didn't really get that part yeah that part it was it was tough to kind of draw an actual conclusion for like why all of this because another thing brought up in that youtube video i was talking about was uh when you realize that your walkie-talkie is being tapped um she there's ends up being a new one in this box way away that you pick up and they mentioned like okay so how did she get that walkie-talkie in that box because she would have to hike all that way from her tower to that box at night and then direct you there. Like it's much more likely that she was talking to Ned and said, Hey, could you please put another walkie talkie in this box so that he will talk to me and not feel like he's being listened to. Uh, so see, I didn't even, I didn't even yeah. consider that. Um, like be- stuff like that. Yeah. Cause you get disoriented with uh, the forest, you know, cause it's, uh, it's not always apparent where you're at. And they do a very good job with that, by the way. Mm. Um, I've done tons of camping in my life, tons of hiking. It certainly did feel like, you can. You can get turned around even though you have a map and you're right there. And I mean, obviously, the map in the game shows you where you're at, which is probably a lot more convenient than a real map. But uh, it, it certainly gave you that feeling of like, wait a minute, where am I or where was this? But I guess you're right. The the area that you go to, um, it was a uh, a cottonwood tree, right? Isn't that what she, uh, she directs you to? And then yes. you go to that meadow and uh, there's the box. You're right. I, I can't remember in my head where the direction of that is. But yeah. I I, you're like you're right. I assume it's right hand area, or at least bottom of the map, and she's all the way at the top across. Like, that's right. That's she would right. have to go across that tram, right, to even get there. 
Yeah, yeah. She would have to go to the tram. She'd certainly have to go to the tram because uh, that's that's the only way across. Yeah. It looks like. And then, yeah, I I guess she would have already passed your um your tower then. So it would it would made it more sense for her to just drop it off at your tower. And I think there's more and more little things like that. And it's just sometimes like she just doesn't sound. She did not sound that concerned. You get once again, you get knocked out at one point by you didn't know you don't know at the time, but you get knocked out by Ned. Um, and she's kind of like, "Are you sure you haven't taken mushrooms? Or are you a little bit right?" Out there? Yeah, she's and very she's uh, dismissive. not concerned. Exactly, and they do this very fantastic job of making her, like you said, this likable character. She's very snarky. She's very you play off of each other, and sometimes a little bit too heavily. And it's like, okay, can we just talk serious for like a second? But you grow to like her, you grow to appreciate her tone and everything like that, but then they'll sneak in moments like that that you might not even think about, where it's like, wait, she just dismissed that I got hit in the head and thinks I might be crazy. And right. It takes a lot to convince her of, like, shit's going down here, and in her moments where she uh, she's an, a little bit of an alcoholic, so when she's drinking, I feel like she's more honest about things. Uh, I think she was a little bit drunk when so when you find that camp behind the fence and has all that equipment in it uh she had mentioned like burn it down remember where it was like hey, right, you, you should yes, burn that down you get a tape ground, yeah yeah i think she was drinking that night so she was just her emotions are much more on her sleep but when she's sober it, it seems like she's always kind of trying to hide something but once again a lot of this stuff when you're playing the game you get some of a sense for it but because you like her so much and you know in the game uh henry you could tell you kind of determine how they feel toward each other based off what you choose, your actions. But it's it's building toward him having feelings for her and her having feelings. And the very right. kind of innocent, like, you know, I've never really talked to someone, you know, at this position. Like, I've talked to you and, um, you know, they've never even seen each other. But they kind of, like, semi-make plans to, like, you know, when we see each other and stuff like that. Um, and you, it's, it's over the course of, like, what, 70, 80 days or something like that. So they grow a relationship and you start to care for her and you maybe you overlook some of that stuff. So it's super interesting how even if you don't relate with Henry as a character because he left his, you know, dementia wife away just to do this weird job, you do kind of feel like you're in the shoes of that character and you start taking on that role and you start caring for her and that's one of the many reasons why the ending is so strange because it is not the normal movie television show video game payoff of either like you see her and happily ever after or you learn that she was like working against you the whole time and you're pissed it kind of just did you mention to her was I think there's a dialogue choice about how you you know maybe she can come back to I think it's Colorado at Boulder and see you? Yeah, yeah, I did, and she was like, "Look, you know, I'm probably I shouldn't come there." And it, it was at that point I was like, "Okay, well, she's just she doesn't I don't I don't know if it was guilt or what." Yeah, it's so weird to like put a uh, like I can't tell if you know she got drunk a couple times and got a little bit overly attached. Hmm. And then every other time she's like, no, I'm fine. You know, I don't really have these feelings for you because honestly, it's only when she's drinking that she's very affectionate. You're right. Uh, you have, you have that one night where you're looking at the fire together and that's like the, the most, I would say romantic of any interaction you have in the game. Um, but otherwise, and I suppose maybe it's more because of what's happening. She's not very affectionate the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and certainly at the end there, you know, even as you're like, oh, hey, we should see each other or maybe I can come out and visit. And she's very just like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And how um, is that? But I, I, 
Like how it's human very is that human. compared yeah. to once again most video games that kind of have this like well we need to have a conclusion that satisfies people like this felt very like look she might have just you're two people you're the only person that she's talking to she drinks a lot and sometimes you get more emotional sometimes you get more maybe romantically inclined when you're drinking I've been there and you build up to this moment where it seems like either she's gonna run away with you or she's gonna tell you something and it's just kind of like a look you should go back to your wife and like that's kind of how it ends and you're like that's Although a lot of that that game is not exactly hyper-realistic, like, this could happen to anyone, that part's like, man, that's just kind of how stuff ends sometimes. Yeah, that was very real life. Yeah. Um, which, again, you know, uh, if you look at this writing crew, and, like, with the Walking Dead games and some of the other stuff they've done, they certainly do, they're very good at capturing that, like, that real-world um, situations where, you're right, these things aren't always storybook, or they're not always, like, definitive and i think that's what's so great about the end of this game is that one you're left with that sour like well this didn't get resolved with them in terms of a relationship yeah. and then you're also left with what exactly happened to my character during this yeah. the of this game like i don't really understand it fully um i don't understand ned fully i don't understand if he killed his son or not or if it really was an accident um i chose to believe it was an accident i think as it was an accident game. Yeah, but, because of just how, I mean, when you enter his, you, you found his hideout, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and you see, like, all these pictures of him, and it seems like he loved his son and just couldn't. It did. You know, a lot of this game is about how do you deal with, like, adversity and how do you deal with things that sometimes it's just easier to run away. And although Ned didn't run away from that area, it seems like he just couldn't accept what happened, didn't want to, he didn't even want to report it because it's like, he couldn't believe it happened the same way that with, uh, Hank, you know, he left that situation and was just terrified to go back, to go back to this. That's a this really person. good point. You're right. That is a theme that runs through the game, and it would make way more sense. And maybe there's something uh, like that with Delilah, too. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Like for her, who knows? Like, I, she might have had a romantic relationship with Ned uh, and something she doesn't want to run away from either. Once again, that's just left so ambiguous and it's just the structure of this game is so interesting too because it has that very slow start where you you're you're learning about these characters and you're getting attached and you're feeling and in that it works very well for later in the game but that middle and i i would call this game a page turner which is weird for a video game but it feels like a page turner where when a new day started i didn't want to turn it off very often for a game i'm like looking for a place to stop i can't sit and usually play too much of a video game in right. one sitting um but I did like the first hour, which it's kind of a natural ending point. Second hour, it's fine. Because you go for like the first three days and then it jumps ahead like 50 days or something like that. Uh, and that's when I just couldn't stop playing it. Uh, and it, it just keeps building. It just keeps building. It just keeps building. Once again, I, I know I keep hammering on this, but the fact that you don't see anyone. I was scared that someone would appear on screen when I was in that tent uh, behind the fence. And I was trying to get all the information I could about like... Here's all this information they've been keeping about us. I kept looking behind outside the tent to see if someone was coming. And I was so freaked out. I was like, oh my god. If suddenly I'm looking at this piece of paper. That's awesome. And like I... a hand grabs me and turns around. I see a face. First off, I don't even know what faces look like in this game. What are the characters? Like it, would, it was this strange dread. I was like worried that something was there and something was going to get me. And even that first time when you get hit in the head, I jumped. I was like, Whoa. At this point, the game has not established that there are other people who could interact with you. And for the first time, it does it by knocking you out. Yeah, that certainly got me. I would say that was one area where uh, the jump scare kind of kind of got into me. Do you, did you, 
this is so weird. I do this with every video game, and I think people are probably like, why would you do that? You're ruining it. I always turn the music off in video games. Whoa. Interesting. Always. Because to me, it takes the it takes me out of the immersion of it. Which I know that's the purpose of music. It's supposed to enhance this. You know, like, if there's something scary going on, there's scary music. If there's something nice going on, there's nice. And it's like something that we're trained as humans to just sort of, oh, yeah, this is part of it. But for whatever reason, if especially a first-person game, I hate hearing music because I'm like, Henry's not hearing music right now. <laughs> like, I want to feel oh, the experience that Henry has. Yeah, so I turn the music off after that intro. Uh, which was very, the music was very effective in the intro section uh, where you learn the story of Henry and his wife. Uh, but as soon as I got into the game, I turned the music off. Um, and honestly, it makes the forest a lot more, to me, isolated. I bet because, that works. Yeah, I, to me, yeah, I feel like it would be uh, a, a better deal than having, and again, I don't really know how much music played. I just know it started at the beginning and I was like, uh, yeah, no, no music for me. I don't, was there a music cue when he hits you in the back of the head? Because for me, it was certainly startling. Um, but had I had a music cue, it might not have been as startling. I don't know if you recall or not. Here's, was here's there some I'm, sort of buildup or no? Here's my bad thing, because I used to review video games and I should be better at this. I really struggle to, music doesn't often, I maybe I should start muting music. Music doesn't stick with me in games that often, um, unless it's spectacular, unless it's a journey where like it swells and, and it kind of, you know, it, it it's, it's, it's up and down, and there's all these crescendos at very specific times of the game. Um, so I honestly don't remember, and I wish I had a better answer. Uh, for me, the sound design that really works in that game is probably what you heard the most of, which is just like what's going, what's going on in that forest with uh, mm-hmm. just the natural sounds. So I, I feel like there wasn't a build-up to that because it just happened, and I was shocked when it happened. So it probably was just like, you know, you smack across the head and you wake up. Uh, but man, that would probably work really well. And the first person thing, it does make sense where like if you're playing a Call of Duty game and you're like, man, I don't know. I don't think this guy's hearing Slayer in his head right now. Like, That's I'm what I mean. Sure. Like, it's just I hate it. It bugs the shit out of me, especially like Fallout. Uh, I hate having music in Fallout. I hate have like I want to be immersed in this world. And this person is not hearing. This is not a cinematic experience. It's supposed to be like a I'm in this guy's shoes experience. Um, if it's a game that's not in that that perspective or if it's like you know has a lot of cutscenes, that's a totally different deal yeah um but when it's games like this i certainly i really don't like to hear music it kind of it takes me out of it. it makes me feel like i'm playing a game or watching a movie and that's not what i want i want to feel like i'm that guy yeah no i think this i think it works perfectly for this game too because once again i by like the midpoint of that i felt like i was i felt like i was hank i felt like i was in those shoes and even though what he does a lot of people say despicable. Like, I get it. That's an extremely hard situation where you're this person you have loved for years doesn't even remember you. And like I even I don't know how I would respond. Maybe I would be a way better person. Maybe I'd be the shitty person and go to some fucking tower and watch fires. I don't know. So I do feel like turning the music off would kind of hone you in on him and what he's going through even more. So that's super unique. I might actually try that in a couple of future games just to see how that goes uh yeah give it a shot it's it's one of those things that we're i don't think people realize how much we're cued by music and games or movies too for that matter to react certain ways yeah um but if the game is good enough on its own you don't need those things and it uh and it, it also i feel like it does it helps with the immersion because you don't have those you know if you hear that tension that tension building music that a lot of games use when something scary is about to happen 
Well, you know, something scary is about to happen. Yeah. But if you don't have that and you're just walking through a house and suddenly something slams in front of you, that's terrifying because there was no way to know that that was going to happen. Um, Speaking so. of terrifying, uh, I, and once again, I this is for everyone who wants to play this game and you're still listening and getting spoiled, I'm sorry, but this is not meant to be a horror game. But another thing that freaked me out about this game is when the very end, when it's like that big fire and it's hard to see and you're trying to get to the helicopter, just walking up her tower. Like, I did it very slowly because I'm like, what if she's still there? Like, what is she going to look like? Is she going to, am I going to, like, open the door and suddenly she comes out of nowhere and stabs me? I don't know at this point. I don't know if I can trust her. Uh, and that was nothing that freaked me out. So much about this game freaked me out, and I can barely explain it. But another scary part for me was that. There's another point about Delilah I wanted to bring up. Um, because the other thing I was thinking about her could be, let's let, let's look more at, like, a, an emotional side of her because I don't really know like once again I don't really know where I stand on her uh, she wanted to leave and not wait for you uh, yeah somehow that offended me I'm like what the fuck like we've been talking for like you don't want to get this chance to meet me and then I got her you know to say like okay I'll stay like I'll, I'll, I'll stay and wait for you and she leaves I'm like I'm wondering it's like what if let's let's look go to the route that she did have some sort of relationship with Ned and was not trying to kill you but there's something involved. She was involved in this and she did start to get feelings for you. And over all this time, she did, you know, like you. Maybe she left because she didn't want to have to face that. Maybe it'd be easier if there wasn't a face to this person that she was. Oh, certainly. Yeah, she's for. running. I mean, it, it's it's basically what the theme of this game is. She's running away yeah. from this is what it is. And that's she what it felt like. She doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like, well, is it this thing that like she doesn't like you? And she's like, I just wanted to leave because I didn't want to think about that dead kid or was it more I don't want to have to think about what I put you through and I now care for you and it's much easier if over this kind of like headset I, I think it's both so. I think it's you know like like you said um you know the complexity of, of human beings I think it's both things I think one she didn't want to have to deal with you uh or that that anxiety of meeting that person that you've been talking to I was anxious you know like it's like well, what if you know, we're not compatible. What if this isn't what we think it's going to be like that? Those kind of things, I'm sure, go through people's minds all the time. Not I mean, obviously, there's not many people that are being firewatch people. But think about like people who meet online. Or <laughs> I was going to say like even online you know, dating. And, and yeah. Like where you, that's what you I mean. That you know, those, that, those anxieties. Exactly. They're very real and they're very normal. Um, and then add on top of it uh, that I genuinely don't think she knew about uh, the death of uh, the son. Yeah. Uh, Brian. So. You know, I feel like she was running from all of it. She didn't want to deal with this this idea that Ned knew that Brian was dead and never told her. And she didn't want to deal with, after that, this relationship with this guy who she may or may not have been manipulating with Ned throughout the game. So there's that guilt there, too. She probably feels guilty. Yeah. Um, there's just so much going on with Delilah. And uh, I have a feeling her story doesn't get much happier as her life goes on because that's a lot of stuff that is probably going to weigh on her the rest of her life. This game and uh, yeah, the pedigree of the studio Campo Santo. Like I, I had talked to Steve uh, Gaynor uh, a couple weeks back, and he's one of the main creative forces behind Gone Home and Minerva's Den and Bioshock Two. And uh, some of these devs had been involved with Gone Home, and you could see a lot of the similarities. And it's just. It's amazing what such a small studio put together. This is a four or five hour game and we've spent like 40 minutes just scratching the surface, I feel like, of what this game was. Um, and it's not perfect. I'm not here saying, you know, trying to rain all this praise like there's nothing like this. Like, uh, Did you play on PC or a console? 
It was on console. It was my PS4. Okay. I was worried that my PC would not be able to run it as smoothly as I wanted to. So I ended up getting yeah. it on the, the PS4. So my P- my game chugged on PS4. Uh, I felt like there were multiple moments where the, yeah. the frame rate just dropped. Like when I would Same turn, here. yeah, when I turn and be like, oh, like it feels like I'm going through molasses, but not in like speed wise. Almost like the, the environments were not kind of generating quickly enough for me, and there were just multiple hiccups and stoppages and that took me a little bit out of it yeah once again you can always look at that ending and there's i also heard a couple people having like delilah would say one thing in the walkie-talkie at one point and then if you kind of do a couple things out of order it seemed like didn't really make sense thematically from piece to piece and there's like there's definitely moments where the, the seams start to show a bit um but still i i really 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 enjoyed this game uh and somehow felt satisfied even though very little was resolved and maybe that was because of in my opinion the bold choice of being like we're gonna end this in a very human way and kind of let you sit and think about it the last game i sat and thought about this much uh bioshock infinite did you beat that game which i have not finished i know i'm terrible okay you know what here's the thing though we can talk about it because it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know when I'm ever gonna have time to get through the rest of this. So I went and found out everything. I went. I was like, I'm gonna find out the rest of the story. I'm going to. So I know everything about <laughs> how that game ends and and everything else. And it's just it was, it's very it's, much because I don't want to do too deep a dive because actually, to be honest, Metal Gear Solid Five also made me sit and think for a bit. Uh, yeah. But it, those are the kind of games where I need to like step away, crack open a beer, and just kind of stew on it. And I really prefer that to something like. I still like Call of Duty campaign. So the other Call of Duty campaign, you're like, cool, I just killed Kevin Spacey. Um, I guess that's right. it. Like, and it's, it kind of leaves you exactly how you felt before you started playing it. And these games yeah. make you... I'm still thinking about this game and I beat it like three, four, five days ago. So that's fun for me. That's I agree. It's certainly, you know, when you talk about story-driven games, this is what I want out yeah. of a story-driven game. I don't want a game where when I'm done, I'm just like, all right, that was the thing, and then I just move on to the next thing. Like, I want the game to stick with me. I want to walk up to people and be like, "Have you by chance played Firewatch?" So I could talk to you about this because, <laughs> like, I've like I I talked to my brother about it. He had not played it or anything. I was like, "Okay, I need to explain this entire game to you because I need somebody to talk to you about this to see what they think." It's yeah. one of those games that uh, is very. It does. It leaves you with something i can't put my finger on it exactly it lingers with you it it's, it it's like the, reading the last page of a good book where you have to kind of think about it and you didn't really want it to leave because there's like i kind of want to stay in this universe i kind of want to stay with these characters um and also i'm a massive Mad Men fan i've seen the entire series like three times at this point all the way through and uh the main voice actor for this is uh, a prominent character in that oh, show see, i knew i recognized that voice it's but it uh, henry crane sure. Um, the guy with glasses and like the slick to the side hair uh, oh my God. in Mad Men. And yeah, immediately I heard it. I'm like, oh shit. Like, and I was already invested there. Uh, so they already had me. But <laughs> yeah, that was very much like a whoa kind of moment. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, 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 really enjoyed this game. Um, and I understand how people walk away and say like, I didn't get it. And they're not wrong. I just, I, I, I understand why you'd say that or I don't feel satisfied or what happened um but stuff like that really interests me and made me want to dig in more and i think some people also say like 
Well, that's lazy storytelling that you have to fill in all the blanks for yourself or talk to other people to fill in those blanks. But for me, I like that. I like doing stuff like this, talking on a podcast for 40 minutes about what you got out of it and what I got out of it and whether or not we're on the same page or if I tell you something where I'm like, you're like, holy shit, are you telling me something? I'm like, I never thought about that. And that is fun for me. Oh, I totally agree. I, it's it's a blast. Like, this is the kind of story that, you know, as somebody who was a uh, an English teacher and, you know, literature was all I studied in, in college, these are the kind of things that I love. Like, you know, uh, something that you can sit down and analyze. And we don't get that very often in gaming. I mean, especially, well, like, for mainstream gaming. Yeah. Obviously, indie games do have a lot of really, you know, thought-provoking work. But um, I love stuff like this. I mean, it, it's... You're right. I can't really. I would say Bioshock Infinite's ending was certainly another thinker as well. And then um, Fuck there's Metal a few other games, five, but yeah, it's yes, yes, yeah. There, you know, there are there are games here and there that uh, that have done that. Um, and this is certainly one of them. And and I think that's one of the the strong suits of this uh, game. I mean, the stories. You're right. Like you talked about the gameplay, it did chug along a couple times. And you're there. You're right. There were a couple times where it's like, okay, the seams are sort of showing. Mm. Um, I I remember there was a time where I gave a piece of dialogue uh, through the walkie-talkie system to Delilah, and then I it made me repeat it again, and she said the exact same thing again right after that. Yep. And I remember thinking like, that's kind of kind of weird. Not what I was expecting because the rest of the game, you know, it's so. Uh, dialogue heavy and so important that and it I was doesn't like, oh. it doesn't trip a lot it usually you're like it's flowing and like it's right like you said before it does determine something else here and it works right exactly so when when it happened i was like oh, that's kind of off um the other interesting thing i thought about with the mechanics of the game is if i didn't use that system now there's certain times where you talk to her no matter what you don't have a choice but i also wondered what happens if i play through the game and never respond to any of delilah's messages yeah oh geez oh like, what, God, what, I need to play what this. happened yeah i don't <laughs> i or you kind of do like the ellipses like dot 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 thing instead where you just like yeah silent standoffish like what because you have a set amount of time and i don't know if you ever missed one of those set amount of time i did but yeah she she i mean when it happened to me she was like oh you don't want to talk or something like that yeah um so i wonder if i go through the entire game and just don't say a word to her other than what it forces me to say what does it do with our relationship? I can't imagine that the game is that open-ended where it's going to somehow like greatly affect the game. But it is something that fascinates me, sort of like, um, I don't know if you played Undertale uh, oh, or not. Well, I don't want to ruin anything then. But there, there's choice in that game as well that isn't inherently obvious. Mm. Uh, but it does affect greatly how the story ends up. And I wonder if there is something built into this game like that. I mean, maybe there is, maybe there's not. But it was something as I played through the game, when I missed that first time I missed one, I thought, hmm, I wonder if this is something that I could do the entire game. Of course, I didn't want to because I was really invested in the story. But if I didn't, what what exactly would occur? There were also some other aspects of the game, the gameplay that never really fleshed out that I thought were weird. I don't know if you've ever, you walked up to any campfires, but it gave you the option to stamp out the fire. Yeah. Well, I, it never allowed me to do that, ever. So wait, did, could you continually stamp it out or you couldn't even stomp your foot on it? It would not allow me to stomp at all. It oh, didn't give weird. me the option. So I could stamp out the fire, but then for some reason it would just continually let me stamp out the fire. Uh, so that's a little <laughs> broken where I'm like, I wasn't sure if it was like, am I still stomping on this for no reason? Or right. is there still a fire? Is there a fire in my boot? Like, what's going on? Yeah, that mechanic never, it never functioned. It showed it. 
but it would not allow me to choose it. And I thought that's kind of weird. And then also the um, the the drop boxes. I mean, obviously they are used in the story um, in in several occasions when you pick up the the new walkie-talkie or whatever. But there were so many of the drop boxes you pass that are never used in the game. Oh, yeah, there's nothing in them too. It's like here's a pine cone, and you're like, what? Right. And I remember thinking like, what is the point you, you of can, this? You can copy the map on the top end of that box, which is interesting. Yes. Um, and there's a couple of like notes in there that kind of give uh, more detail about some certain characters. But yeah, there's definitely some things where it's a little bit like, eh, this seems undercooked, a little bit underdeveloped here. And the other thing, since we're analyzing this whole game, and again, it is an amazing game. It's certainly an experience that I think if you're somebody who really likes a good story, you should certainly uh, play this game. If it were a novel, it would be a good book. I yep. mean, it, it's just it's very good. But um, another aspect of the game that I didn't really understand was the entire sort of red herring of the teenagers. I don't know if that was designed in order for you to be more paranoid and not understand what's going on. Maybe there's some sort of greater... Because it, it sort of makes you think that maybe there's some sort of government something happening with the fences and everything else. Yeah. Um, when it all just happens to be... With the teenagers, you know, they're your first interaction. And if it had just been left at that, you know, I wouldn't really have thought too much of it. But... As it goes on, I'm like, what, you know, what was the purpose of the teenagers? Because it's just sort of like later on in the game, Delilah's like, oh, by the way, they found those kids. They stole a tractor and went to jail. And you're just like, oh, well, that's one last thing we have to worry about. Yeah, that's but kind I, of resolved a little bit awkwardly. Did yeah. Did you throw the boombox in the water? I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't think I could oh, do that. Oh, that was really... the first thing. I grabbed it <laughs> and I threw it in the water. And they got unbelievably pissed. And that's why, like, when I found, like, their tent all messed up and they were all super angry and they left a note, I was like, oh, I'm going to be in trouble because I vandalized their property. Right. Okay, see, that makes sense. Because, see, that's why that part to me didn't make any sense at all. Um, yeah. Because I didn't do that. I, I did pick up the the uh, radio, but I didn't throw it in the water. I didn't even realize I could actually throw at that point. Like my, I was still kind of weary on the mechanics. Yeah. Um, and I ended up just kind of laying it back down on, on the wood stump. Um, <laughs> That's what got but, me. That, that, that moment was much more of a tension builder for me. Cause I'm like, shit, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Now they still were very rude. Yeah. Um, to me, even though I didn't do anything like that. Uh, and then see, that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. So Ned would have no reason to cut the cable. Correct. Right. If if he is in some sort of relationship with Delilah, oh, I would think so. Mm. So was it the teenagers that actually did it? Because he did steal their stuff. There was beer was... cans leading up to it, which is the same beer they were drinking. Right. But when you go to his hideout at the end of the game, he has items from those girls. Oh, I didn't even notice that. There's a whole section of his room that has items that they had. And actually, maybe this is different for you than it was for me. The radio is there. Oh, and yeah. Nope. assembled it. No, that, that radio is not. If, if, I don't think it was there because that was in the water and it was busted up. Yeah. So, see, in, in my version of it, he has it. And actually, there was a line of dialogue that I was able to get out of it with Delilah. What? Where I'm like, there, that's, we found the radio. Um, and I you also find some of their books. Uh, some of the teenage magazines that they were reading. So, oh, I miss he all of that certainly, too. yeah, he was the one that tore up their camp. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Anyway. Yeah. But, but for what purpose? Because he didn't, if he didn't, he didn't cut the power, certainly. So then I start thinking about what Delilah says for you to do to the kids. Mm. And that just, that right there 
to me confirms that Ned and Delilah had a relationship and that Ned was listening to every conversation he ever had from the beginning. Obviously, you know that because you see his clipboard. But she, he goes and does what she tells you to do. Another really weird thing moving in on that. I mean, we could talk about this game for like three hours. Uh, there's um, When you're in his camp, there's these different papers that are hung up that are just like a further like transcripts of your conversation, his notes on your mm-hmm. conversation. Um, and if you notice, there's like it at one point he's like, I forgot how he calls you like H2 or something like that. Like blah, blah, blah. Seems like a good guy. And he's very positive on you. When Delilah starts showing you affection, it seems like he even notes like it looks like she could be into him or love him. That's the point where he's like terrible person. He seems like a bad guy. And he's writing very, uh, very badly. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So as her affection goes for you, he sees you as like an evil person. That could go right back to the fact that he has some sort of thing for her. Whether it's one-sided or not, that when she starts showing something toward you, he's like, fuck this guy. Like, that's my woman kind of thing. And that's oh, right in there. So wow. that's, yeah, that's the thing. So many little things like that um, that really just make you think, like, what was going on? And maybe if you look at every note, if you put it all together and you like put this puzzle, make it complete, Maybe this whole story will make sense, but I do think so much of it is left ambiguous. If you just run through this and you don't kind of think about it and you don't examine things, you don't read into things, I do think you get a much lesser experience where at the end you're like, that seemed like a stupid story. But when you really start digging in and thinking about it and looking at these notes and understanding what's going on, you definitely get the feeling of there's a lot more going on here. And I'm also understanding a lot more of what's going on here. Um, So, Yeah. yeah. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and I didn't even realize that. I remember reading his notes on you and him being negative, but I never put together, you know, when he started saying negative things about I didn't like that none of that crossed my mind at all. Yeah. Um, but now that you say that again, it's it's one of those things that there's too much evidence indicating that that Ned and Delilah are involved in some way shape or form what it is we don't know but there's too much Mm. that we have discussed in this podcast that it just there's just no way they don't there's no way she didn't know that he was there the entire time yeah uh so then you have to wonder well what to what end like we talked about like what was the purpose why obviously ned we know maybe a little bit about ned's motivations for staying there because he does know that his son is dead and didn't want to face that but in terms of what they are doing to you from the beginning of the game, because you run into Ned on like your second day. Uh, he's yeah. the guy that shines the light in your face. So, oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. He's that guy. Uh, he tells you in the tape at the end of the game. Oh, man. He's like, yeah, hey, I ran right. into you on the first day. So like from the get-go, this guy is observing you and is in communication with Delilah, I'm assuming now. But, but I don't understand what their game was. What was the purpose? And like you said, maybe there was a romantic relationship or maybe it was unrequited. But after she started saying things to him, uh, to you, Henry, maybe the, he got jealous. or I don't know. And I don't really – I'd have to play the game again to think, think about think. when he begins to become more hostile. Because at first, there's so many – like your room gets wrecked, right? Mm-hmm. Did the teenagers do that? Or was it Ned? I think it was Ned trying to send a message to get you out of there. Because that's the beginning of the game, and there's no relationship 
between you and Delilah at that point at all. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe he just doesn't like anyone that talks to her. I don't know. I know. See, like that's the thing. But like you said, you said his notes early on were that like, oh, pretty nice guy. Yeah, seems like an okay guy. Right. And uh, oh, I good just point. Don't... Yeah, it's. I I I don't know. I I think we should play this again. Uh, we should. There's there's. There's a lot more to figure out. <laughs> There's so much. Well, here's another thing. I just thought about this. Why is he leading you to Brian? What is the what is the point? Does he is he just really want somebody else to know? Is I don't he understand. You to Brian, I feel like he kind of is. Like I feel like well, he's giving you all these reasons to explore. You're like uh, you remember when you wake up in the middle of the night and that thing is going off? Yeah, and it leads you to a backpack. But like, what was the purpose of this? But remember how he tries to like kill you in that cave and like uh get you caught in in there like there's a That's moment where true. you're first going to the cave it seems that. like he's trying to like close you in it so at that point i think he doesn't want you to see what's going on but he gave you the key oh so you think he was trying to kill you okay i, so... I agree I, th- I think he gave you the key to get in there then i think he wants to kill you in there okay. um, and then once you survive and you you know you find uh all the equipment you need to go further into the cave i think at that point once you find his son, that's when he kind of has the game over of like, look, you saw this. Like, that's when you get the tape. I see think that. So. Okay, now that makes more sense. I, I didn't realize that. That, uh, yeah, he does try to lock you in there and, you know, Finish you off, he yeah. gave you the key. Right. So, yeah, it's who is Ned? Who is Delilah? I think the only character we really know is Henry. Right. We, yeah, we understand him because he's the only one that has no previous you know relationship with this area and with these other people yeah and it doesn't uh, so, seem like he has all these ulterior motives it's yeah. right like we know we're getting his straightforward story we yes. that's why we get we get his entire backstory up to this day and i think that's maybe one of the reasons so that we know that henry is on the up and up um because it makes the rest of the characters more suspicious here's another thing that again i mean you're right we could probably talk about this for days <laughs> but what was the deal with the scouts that had come to burn the forest remember they had a report yeah they had a report from a doctor talking about that area that was fenced in what was that about because oh geez that like i have to read that again because again i don't really think i was in the right uh understanding of what was happening to really get the full impact of that i we really do need to play this game again (laughs) here's here's i'm gonna end the firewatch conversation on this um Here's what I want. Some I know it doesn't make any sense, but here's let's say DLC. I want two other versions of this game, um, where it's the similar, you know, same environment, same number of days, same sequence of events. But I want very similar to how we get uh, Henry's bag, backstory, and then you're thrown into the forest. I want one where you get Delilah's backstory, where you're making decisions very similar to the way you do with Henry. That would be amazing. Exactly. So you go back and you're like, you decide, here's her background, and then you go into it, you know, let's seemingly, not knowing Henry's wife had dementia, not knowing why he's there, and, you know, you having some relationship with Ned, but that's not fully understood, and then one where you're Ned, and your son just dies, and then you go through the game trying to figure out what to do about the situation. So I want... I don't, it's basically two new games, but I want that so badly. Like, I want that... I want... The, basically, what, what, like we said, the only character you know... Of the three main characters, you only know one. I want that, but with everyone else's perspective. 
That's my that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I want this too now. Yeah. We can talk to the developers and, and get them to do this. You know, I, that's, uh, you know what? If I ever do get a chance to podcast with them, I, I think it'll be the first thing I bring up. Like, let me pitch you another version of your game. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, you got to man. Oh. You got to get them on the show too. Uh, really side to. note, like you said, because we're uh, you, we're going to move on to another topic, but uh, Sissy Jones, who plays Delilah, mm. I don't know if you played Life is Strange or not. Uh, uh, she is yes. the mother of Chloe. Oh, cool! Which Man, is I awesome. That I I just looked at her voice acting. She's done tons of games. It's incredible. What are the games? She was uh, in Fallout Four as Doctor Duff and Doctor Patricia, which again I don't really. I think they might have been just like small characters. Yeah. Um, she plays Squirrel Girl in Lego Marvel's Avengers. Um, One of she these. She did like some a... uh, random voice work in uh, GTA Five as like population. <laughs> Sure. Um, she was in uh, the Walking Dead 400 Days video game. Oh, she was in uh, season one. Yeah, yeah. She was. Uh, she played uh, Shell and okay. D. It says uh, she was also in uh, season one of the Walking Dead the game uh, as Katya. Oh shit! So yeah, she's oh, done man. a bunch of work. Oh. Bravo to that voice cast. Once again, it's there's two main people, and they do so well. So they really do. Yep. Uh, you get. Amazing, amazing game. Great game. I, I mean, Firewatch 1.5 that I suggested might even be a better game. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, that is going to conclude our Firewatch talk. It was an hour. I thought it would be half an hour, but I couldn't stop. I had to keep talking about that. So, yeah, uh, it was good. We got it all out there. Got it all out. So part two. This is the part where uh, people have probably skipped to if they had not played Firewatch. And shame on you. Go play that game. Um, so yeah, Firewatch was one of the three or four games that I played recently that made me realize that like, you know, video games are pretty cool. And sometimes I do forget that. And, um, I can get kind of curmudgeonly about video games. Once again, I'm that critic point of view where you try to go into a game fresh and, you know, I, I usually, it probably, if we didn't average on my scores, most of them were lower than other sites. That wasn't intentional. It's just how I look at games. Uh, but I'm kind of looking at it from a fresher perspective. I'm not judging this game. I'm just playing this thing to have fun and learn from it and have a good time. And 2016 just has so many cool video games that I am really interested in. Firewatch being one of them that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, so we have both a list, different lists of games. I have a feeling we haven't talked about our games, so there's probably gonna be some overlap. Um, so if you want to just name a game that you would like to talk about, you know, that you're excited about it and why you're excited about it, uh, I would love to hear it. Okay, so I've got a humongous list. <laughs> like, uh, I told you before the show, 17 games uh, that, that I want to play in 2016. I probably won't get to play all of them, sadly. Uh, but the one, if I had to pick one on this list that I'm super, super excited for, and it's maybe it's just the nostalgia feels. I already know where it's going. I, it could end up being crap. I don't know. But Doom. That's, I'm yep. so freaking excited about Doom. After seeing the gameplay, and it, it just feels like the old style where you're not ducking for cover. You're, you know, strafing and, and avoiding, you know, fireballs and stuff like that. I, it just, all my nostalgic feels just came rushing back. And I know that's that's their plan. That's the purpose. But it looks just beautiful, and I cannot wait to play it. I mean, I honestly, I probably play Doom once a year all the way through. Yeah. Just because I, I it, it is one of the games that I think has defined me as a gamer, and and honestly, the, the industry it's so it's so iconic and so important. 
Uh, but to see a new entry in the series and for it to look that way and, and feel like it looks like it feels, I just, um, uh, that's definitely my most anticipated right now is Doom. Yeah, I, and you did a really good video kind of about you know, why, you know, why Doom is important to you and why that matters on your YouTube yes. channel. So people should, should look at that. I really enjoyed that video. And, uh, Thank you. No problem. And very often I, I do feel like there's this, because so many games are open now, there's like, oh, well, this is a 100-hour game. There's uh, not as much appreciation for a really strong, fun, linear thing. Uh, and as someone who, and you're the same, works a lot, and it's hard to find time to put right. 80 hours into a game, <laughs> Sometimes I will. I am more than happy to spend sixty dollars on a really good eight to ten hour. Like, man, that felt good. I would really enjoy that. Same thing with you know, go back to Firewatch. That's four or five hours, but it was right. the best four or five hours I've played. So if Doom is that, and it's really, it feels good, it looks good, and it just goes and plays at a pace and reminds you of those days of Doom. I mean, it's also on my list too. Uh, I'm really I'm excited to see how that turns out whether it's good or bad I'm excited to see it it's going to be something interesting to watch uh, and if I had to pick one game that is just top of my list uh, it's Uncharted 4 because yes. uh, I am just I'm, I'm, I've always been a big fan of that series it's it's just it it's holds a special place for me uh, Uncharted 2 um, shockingly I love the multiplayer in that series which I know is not what it's known for but it's just really it's solid though. It's very fun, solid. I um just when I was I got my PS ooh, PS3 in like 2008. Uh, Uncharted 2 was 2009, 2010, um and just played the hell out of that multiplayer. I met a lot of people. Like you know back then, I was in high school. I was like I don't know. I'll start talking to people online and like they weren't all assholes. And I, a lot of people I still talk to today I met on Uncharted 4, Uncharted 2's multiplayer. Um, I am not fantastic at online games. But I <laughs> there's a site called Game Battles, which kind of does MLG stuff, and I signed up for it for fun for Uncharted 2. And although it's not nearly as competitive as something like Counter Strike or Call of Duty, I was number one for a bit in the solo competitive oh, Uncharted nice. 2 scene. Really, I should put that on my fridge. Uh, and I just had I I spent hundreds of hours. That is my favorite multiplayer mode ever. Um, and I really enjoyed the most recent Tomb Raider, but it didn't fully scratch that itch for me that that Uncharted does the the spectacle of it in that way that really really gets me in Uncharted. And uh, I do hope the shooting is a little bit tighter, uh, not as bullet spongy with the people. They've progressively gotten better, but Uncharted still isn't a great shooter. It's just a great adventure experience. Yes. Um, and Tomb Raider does really well to make the climbing feel much more interactive. And sometimes with Uncharted, it feels like you're holding up and just tapping X and whatever. Tomb Raider is very much, you were much more involved and you felt like you could follow at any time. And I hope they add more of that to Uncharted. And there's the dialogue trees and there's a lot going on. And I'm happy they're saying like, hey, this is the, this is the last one for Nathan Drake because you don't want to stretch this too far. Uh, and that game looks incredible just visually. Right. Naughty Dog is fantastic at that. So for me... Uh, it's not the most inspired choice. It's not like, I'm pretty sure I know what Uncharted 4 is going to be. I hope I'm, you know, my expectations are, uh, I hope, I hope they blow away my expectations, but it's just, that is one of my like gaming comfort foods. And I'm really excited for like one last ride with that one. Well, it's one of those things that it's like, you know, I, I mean, obviously the comparisons to Indiana Jones are very apparent, Yeah. but much like the Indiana Jones film franchise, minus the very last film. Um, Ugh. it, yeah, I know. Oh God. Let's hope the fourth uh, the Uncharted is not like the fourth Indy Jones. Shia LaBeouf's but, in it. 
um, it is one of those things that, yeah, you know, the, the, the original Indiana Jones movies are not going to win, you know, Oscars for best picture, yeah. but they're just such fun experiences and they really give you that sense of adventure and ex- exploration, um, you know, and then being this, you know, rock star archaeologist. And that is exactly the feeling you get from Uncharted. You feel yeah. like you're this amazing history, history thief. I mean, you're just like this incredible, snarky guy going on these amazing adventures. And you're right. It's not going to be a game where after I'm done, I'm going to be sitting there like, oh, my God, like that story just changed my life. It blew but me it's away. so fun. It's just fun. It's, a, it's like a summer game. Yeah. You know, it's like a summer movie. It's just such a great time and i'm with you it was number two on my list yeah. i cannot wait to play that game and we're not probably gonna do a podcast afterward like we did for firewatch and just talk about it for an hour <laughs> right. um, that's fine it's okay i give me my popcorn let me play my uncharted and then i will go about my merry way exactly so that's number two in your list what's what's number three number okay so that was actually where i stopped numbering them because <laughs> i didn't the rest of them i was like i know i'm excited about these games but i don't know in what order i'm excited yeah. about these games uh, interestingly enough a game you already mentioned is also on this list for me because sadly I do not have an Xbox, so I have to wait for Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh yeah! Um, so that is also on my list. It comes out in the fourth quarter of 2016 for the PS4 users. Um, if I had an Xbox, I would have it already. Sadly, I don't have one yet. So uh, that one's on my list as well. Uh, another game I'm looking forward to with sort of um, a little bit of anxiety is. The Hitman episode one intro. Yeah. Because of what's happening with it and the way they're doing it and all the development issues they've been having. I love that format of game. Look, the Hitman story, I couldn't tell you one thing about it. Honestly, I think I skipped the cutscenes in every single Hitman game. I think everyone me, does. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I literally could not care about uh, Agent 47 and what is happening with it. I, I don't care. But the, the format of that game is so fun. And, and they honestly should never, I don't know why this story is important to it. Uh, because to me, it's like, hey, here's a guy who is a bad person. They always make you feel good about the assassination. Mm. Like, this guy, you know, murders children. You're like, ah, oh, great. I can't wait to assassinate him. Yeah, exactly. It's and, like, this guy's a child molester. You're like, assassinate right. that guy immediately. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like, here's some horrible guy. Here's a giant setting. Find a really creative and fun way to get rid of this guy without getting caught. It's such a fun format, and I, I'm a little, like I said, I'm a little bit hesitant because of the way they're doing this, the way they're rolling it out, the way that it's going to be episodic. I'm very nervous, but I'm also excited just because I do really love that gameplay, uh, and so, several of the Hitman games have been just absolutely so much fun to play. Yeah, it's, it's a really good assassination sandbox where it's like, here's a scenario yeah. and about a thousand ways to do it to have fun. Uh, exactly and it's yeah i i know i think the beta i'm not sure if it's open but i know there's a there's a beta out right now so you might be able to download and see what that's like i'm definitely i'm gonna look into that as soon as we're you done should i think there's two missions available um so going kind of the opposite end uh so the last guardian i think i have been excited about since it was first announced <laughs> at whatever e3 30 years ago like i was gonna say a decade ago <laughs> <laughs> and i i mean i um shadow of the colossus is one of my favorite games ever uh it's just not just the scale of it all but just the tone the themes it's it's just it's it's so different than anything else other than like eco ico whatever you want to call it uh right those are the two that are similar and i don't know if this will be good because 
is this going to be a strange situation where it's somewhere stuck between a PS3 and a PS4 game because it was developed on PS3 for so long? Is it going to look like a right. PS4 game? Is it going to play like a PS4 game? Is this one of the situations where the just extended trouble development time is going to significantly hurt it? I mean, you can look at Duke Nukem Forever and say like, oh, that's... That's a little bit different because that was, you know, what, 15 years? <laughs> yeah, and then, 15 years. And then it was passed off to another publisher and they kind of just published as is after cleaning some stuff up. This has been continually developed by at least the same head person throughout. Um, and I'm guessing, you know, Sony's been on the ball lately. I would assume that they are holding this off for good reason. Uh, but and what is this game? Like, that's the... Right. Is it... Is there combat? Is it all puzzles? Is it all exploration? Um you're that kid is really young like is he gonna like swing a sword i don't think so are you gonna control the giant guardian at times and fight or you just call him like it's we've seen so little and it's kind of been the same environments and the same situations is it all gonna be just big moments where you think things are crumbling around you and you're running but no matter what i just want to see what it is and whether it's a disaster that just doesn't come together or if somehow they pull this motherfucker off like i just want to know and this is a much more curiosity thing if this was five years ago it'd be like oh this is gonna be i'd probably be like this is gonna be amazing i'm so excited but you know i'm i've measured expectations for what this could be uh and if it reaches near the highs of something like shadow of the colossus then it's it's something that i am going to be extremely excited about so the last guardian's a weird one uh but no matter what looking forward to seeing if and when that game comes out yeah, you know what? I'm sort of um I really soured to that game yeah. because of the delays. Um and not that like I don't think the game is going to be good cuz I really don't know. But in terms of my anticipation, at this point I'm just like I don't even care, but I will say this. As soon as it comes out and like the reviews start coming in, if people are saying it's like a masterpiece like Shadow of the Colossus, yeah. I will immediately i all that like joy and excitement <laughs> will come rushing back and i will buy it like instantly i'm a sucker so. for when an embargo lifts on a review and it's so weird now because like i'm not a part of that cycle i'm not one of those like i know i usually right. know pretty far ahead of time like i have enough friends who like i have an idea of what a game's going to be like beforehand but now it's kind of exciting to be like waiting for that embargo day and like if anyone's listening first off my one don't pre-order games like stop doing that because it's totally so agree. important to yeah. Like, you don't have to take every review as, like, this is the word of God, and, you know, if someone gives us a five, then I can't play it. Find a small grouping of reviewers, not sites, specific reviewers, who you trust, um, who you know your interests kind of align with. And that's what, if I see someone, uh, back when Kevin Van Ord was still doing a lot more review work for GameSpot, uh, when he had a review come out and it was like a nine, if I had no interest in that game, almost I would I'd almost immediately buy it because like I I trust what he thinks and we have similar tastes and like I almost always enjoyed it. And the same thing with uh, Firewatch, I had a few people who were like, "This is something special." Uh, that's when I was like, I with no interest in buying this before it, I immediately bought it. So for the last yeah, Guardian, same with me. I mean, until you said anything, one I didn't even know the game existed, but two, <laughs> you know, just on your recommendation alone, I'm like, okay, well, if Josiah thinks it's an amazing game. I'm going to at least give yeah. it a shot. So. See? Look at me with my important industry opinion. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what's your next game? Okay, so I, instead of, like, giving all these AAA games, I got to give some... So I, I don't seem like I'm just, like, some kind of crazy AAA gamer yeah. only. But so let me throw in some of my uh, smaller games. Let's get a little bit of an indie hour. Yeah, let's... Uh, <laughs> a little bit of an indie hour. Um, I, Allison Road, are you familiar with this? Actually, I'm not. 
it is essentially a spiritual successor to PT um, in terms of its gameplay style. And it's been in development for quite some time now, I think since around PT. Um, but it's finally coming out, I think, at the end of this year. And I've seen some footage of it. And God, it just, it, it feels so much like PT did. And, you know, obviously PT was just a trailer. But that experience has stuck with me uh, for a very long time. It was Not such much like immersive. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Re- you're right. There really isn't. Uh, so for somebody to even attempt that, and maybe it won't be the same, you know, obviously not the same developers or anything like that, but um, I love the idea of it, and I'm really excited to see if somebody can pull off that same feel, uh, because I really love being scared. So that is one of my smaller games that I'm really excited about. Yeah, and I'll add a smaller game too, um, Cuphead, which is an uh, Xbox indie game that's coming out, and uh, when I had Lauren Lanning on here, it was a game that I think he talked about for like 20 minutes, uh, and was just like obsessed over it and i agree it's um this 1930s animation style run and gun uh indie game and it Ooh. looks uh like it is one of the most visually just distinctive like it puts you in that very specific like oh my god this is like early very early disney or some sort of cartoons like that like steamboat willie like it is just like that and it looks amazing i don't know if that game will play well but if you haven't yet just Look up on YouTube a video of Cuphead, and you'll be shocked of, like, whoa, like, games can look like this. And I'm going to look it up right now as you're talking. It's, it, yeah, it's a still, if you, see, you get it in motion, it's just really, really something else. I know you don't have an Xbox. It's a bummer. But it's, it's just astounding looking. And I love games that can put you in a very specific time and place. And you go back to firewatch it made me feel like i was in that specific area and cuphead I, I i hope at least we'll be able to kind of transport you to like now we're back to these 1930s cartoons uh and i don't know how it'll play I don't, maybe it's boring as hell but no matter what visually super interested in looking at that game you're uh, you know uh, you're making me really like i just you know, buying all the consoles from each generation is not something I normally do just because it's so hard. And while there are really great exclusives that I would like love to get a hold of, sometimes I'm just like, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to fork up the cash for all three systems. Um, I do have a Wii U. Break. I do have a PS4. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true <laughs> at this point. I can. Oh, wow. Look at this game. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it looks so good. That's amazing. I saw that's it. Oh, really jeez. Cool. It was... I was either E3 or this was an E3 that I was just at home covering, but like I just remember seeing it and be like, "This, what is this? I need to immediately learn about this." So, this is right up my alley. Yeah, too. I love the art style. I love as, the game. as a cartoon, oh, I think God. you'll appreciate that. Yeah, as a as a fellow cartoon, I'm. <laughs> this is this is so cool. Okay, so see again between that and I mean obviously Rise of the Tomb Raider at this point is is moot, but uh, something like that it really makes me want to get it. Um, and and get it on. Is it not going to be? It's not going to be on PC. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I need to look this up now because this will be important <laughs> to Wikipedia. Yes. Um, yes. Hey, it's it's going to be on PC. You're fine. Oh, yay! All right, I don't have to get another console yet. Um, uh, do you have another indie game on your list? I let me see. I've got is Mighty Number no. Nine considered? And an, I guess it Ooh, is. Kinda, it is. Right? That's an interesting choice because that. Speaking of troubled development cycles. Oh ooh. my goodness! <laughs> I, you know what? It's just one of the. No kidding, right? Good God! Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say I'm so excited just because I love Mega Man. Yeah. Like Mega Man was just ah, uh, as a kid, I could not get enough of it, 
and that gameplay style. So to have anything even remotely like that, I don't know, like you said, with the development cycle, I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but I'm certainly anticipating it still. So yeah. that was a smaller one on my list as well. Um, I have a quick small one too. Uh, so there's actually going to be a podcast that I don't know how I'm going to order all these podcasts. For me, this was going to be like, <laughs> quick aside, this is going to be like a three week down the road. We're recording this on like early, like February 13th. I might just post this next week because I want people to talk about Firewatch and play Firewatch. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be doing a podcast, whether it's out or now, out now or not, uh, with the guy from Mode 7 Games who made Frozen Synapse, which was this 2000... 10 11 uh like top down cyberpunk strategy game uh where you have these soldiers on a battlefield and you position them in certain spots um and so you you move them and then you can like okay you shoot this direction you throw a grenade this direction and there's a fog yes of- i know the game you're talking it's about so good and there's this fog of war we're like okay i don't know where these guys are yet you have rocket launchers all this stuff and there's the different like cover you can hide behind um and it's it's simultaneous in terms of like once you take a turn the actions don't happen yet you both have to take the turn, and then the actions happen. So let's say on you see an enemy ahead of you, and you move forward, you shoot his direction, and you're like, cool, I'm going to hit him. Not so, because that guy could take that enemy, move him somewhere else, and then those bullets are going to miss, because while you're shooting, he's already doing one of his turns. So oh, wow. it's super unique in that you're planning ahead to where they could be, and you're, you're trying to uh, pinpoint their movements. And it's, uh, it's kind of similar to... Like some like for some reason I'm a nerd. I play Risk a lot, and there's um sometimes <laughs> do uh simultaneous online Risk where uh when you start a turn, you both have to be there to start the turn, and you both make actions. Uh, it's kind of similar to that. So Frozen Synapse Two was just announced, and that studio is now a little bit bigger, a little more seasoned, and I'm extremely excited to uh talk to uh that developer and kind of pick his brain about like what what's different here what's what have you learned from the other games you've made what kind of you know what has that success helped you do for frozen synapse 2 and i also have a kind of a soft spot for frozen synapse because when i was first starting uh covering games um they i think they were one of the first people to give this really small site i was working on review codes so i just remember like being super excited about that and usually your first review codes is some like shitty budget like this is not a real video game game, but Frozen Synapse <laughs> right. was genuinely awesome. So I suck at strategy games, but uh, after actually playing XCOM and loving XCOM and getting good at XCOM, I feel like I can even do better at something like Frozen Synapse too. So that is my other indie game. The only other quote-unquote indie game I have on here is No Man's Sky, um, which I'm guessing you've seen quite a bit of. Uh, actually, that does not sound familiar. That is the crazy, uh, like, trillions of planets that you can explore game. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I do know what you're talking about now. And just quickly on that, um, usually the way I'm driven with games is I need a goal. I need objectives. I need to have, like, a, can I beat this game? Instead of, like, a Minecraft where you're kind of just... Right. Stuff forever. That, that, I, just the way I am built in my life, I'm very goal-oriented in that way, where, so it freaks me out if I don't have that. So I don't know if something like No Man's Sky is going to work for me. Um, but goddamn, it's a very small team who made Joe Danger before, of all things. And now they're making No Man's I Sky. I love Joe Danger. It's so good. <laughs> but like the jump between that and this is outstanding. And I just, similar to The Last Guardian, I just want to see what this game is. So that's all I'll say about it's it. Just, it's freaking beautiful. It I will really, say that. It's such yeah. a unique art style. There's so oh. much going on. So that's the end of our indie hour. Let's hear your uh, next AAA game. Okay, I actually do have, real quick, I'm going to mention them. I do have two other indies I oh, didn't cool. realize. Okay, so, 
Uh, and I, again, this is a really big popular game, and it's been on many formats already, so I don't really know if I... But it's from a small developer, I believe. Uh, Terraria, did you ever play Terraria? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be on the Wii U. Oh, cool. Um, now, I've had it on the PS3, I had it on my PC, and I will buy it again, simply because I want to see what it's like to play that game with the the Wii controller. The gamepad, exactly. I want to see what that's like, because I feel like that would be really interesting. Uh, an interesting way to play it with that stylus pin and everything else. So that's something I'm I'm excited about, and I'll probably get just because one I love that you know that game, and I think it was so fun, and um, I want to support those guys anyway. Plus, I want to see what it's like to play it on that. So I'll get that. The other one, this could end up being absolute garbage. I've not seen one bit of footage from it, but it, the idea got me excited. It's Friday the Thirteenth, the game. Oh yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> if that works out, I am so excited. Like I love slasher movies from the '80s. And if they're able to capture that and make it a fun, exciting game that's sort of like campy and, and tongue in cheek, I seriously cannot wait. So that's the last of my indie games. Um, and then to move on to a AAA game that I guess, uh, since we're back on AAA games now, hmm. I, I, another one that's been in development hell, uh, Legend of Zelda. Oh, like yeah. they said it's coming out this year. Who knows if it's actually coming out this year? Who knows if it's even coming out on the Wii U? Yeah, might come out NX. on the, the NX. Yeah. But whatever it is, I freaking love those games and if they really are trying to make it a more open world experience more like skyrim style sign me up like sign me up for skyrim zelda like that that sounds amazing so that is one that i'm really anticipating and i hope is one coming out this year and two uh, as good as i hope it is in my head that might make me buy a wii u because you know like everyone i have a very uh, when you mentioned like ocarina of time I'm like nostalgia like you immediately hit right. that bone in me or any of the old <laughs> zeldas like i those games, <laughs> funny story. Quick, quick, really, really quick aside. Uh, I was homeschooled for the first eight years of my life. Um, oh, nice! And I, uh, <laughs> when I was learning how to read, um, my parents were trying to like, okay, like what, what, you know, kind of what, what method are we gonna go? We would um, play Ocarina of Time, and we'd have to read the dialogue from every single person we talked to. Awesome. And that is how I initially learned how to, how to like really read well and comprehend things. So I'd like read it and then explain kind of what it meant. That is one of the I did that also like Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Another game we did that with. <laughs> so uh, there's this special place in my heart for the Ocarina of Time and that franchise. And I kind of fall I fallen off from it. I didn't really play Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess. Um, but it is that series is badly in need of something that's not just here's another Zelda game with another set of dungeons and the end. And I think you're right that this could be the one that kind of goes off the beaten path and does something different and gives you more freedom where you don't have to tackle these things in the exact order. And I'm not at all shitting on linearity and their linear games in general. I love linear games, but it's time for Zelda to do something different. And this is, could be the chance that it does that. So yeah, looks, exactly. So yeah, triple uh, a game really quick for me. There's also another one that I'm a little bit iffy on, but I think the division seems very interesting to me. Uh, speaking of it all these does. games in development, hell, had <laughs> yeah. no expectations for this one. Uh, and I played the beta and really liked it. And it, it's like Destiny, but good, which I know is super shitty of me to say. I don't <laughs> like Destiny. I could not. I don't like it either. Thank you. Yes. I don't. I do not like Destiny. At I think all. Oh. there's a very solid foundation surrounded by not enough to do and half-baked ideas and just very mechanics that are meant to draw you in even though in reality you're kind of doing the same thing over and over and it's it's the division if it can it's it's a shooter that also is an rpg 
that is also very loot driven if it has the content offering surrounding it to make it interesting if it has the environmental diversity to keep you interested and not just go to the same thing over and over uh and if you, it can correctly incorporate multiplayer and co-op pvp and pve and all these different things i'm in and the somewhat modern slash future shooters yeah we're a little bit tired on that but this one seems to have its own specific edge to it and it looks beautiful and uh i don't never felt fulfilled by destiny but was looking for a game like destiny and i do appreciate borderlands but i never felt like borderlands was that much of a shooter it felt very much like an rpg with not great shooting um and the humor never really got me but the division has good shooting it has those rpg hooks it has those loot hooks and I think after all this time, they have the content to support it, but we'll find out. So I'm interested in the division. That's really soon. That's March. So as I say, yeah, that's pretty quick. That's coming around. Yeah, that's right there. So uh, next one for you. This one, not really. Uh, it's certainly not an indie game, but I just found out about this yesterday when you said, hey, make a list of games that you're excited about. So I kind of looked through the, the calendar. <laughs> I had no idea that Platinum Games was making a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. It looks really good. It does! Like, okay, I again, maybe there's way too much nostalgia for me, apparently. But, <laughs> you know, I think about, like, all the fun I had playing Turtles in Time as a kid with my brothers. Mm. And I'm like, if we could recreate that feeling with the solid core game mechanics of, like, Bayonetta or, like, uh, you know, all these other Platinum games that are really great at sort of that hack-and-slash style, like, what I would absolutely love that game uh, they made so, that transformers game too recently right they did, and that was right. that, that actually hit all those nostalgic notes and was a good video game exactly so i'm really fingers crossed that that game is awesome and that i can hop on with you know my brothers or three other friends and we can just be teenage mutant ninja turtles for a couple hours yeah. like, that's awesome can't wait uh speaking of nostalgia my favorite game of all time is final fantasy 8 uh just a very once again all the, usually it's like you're at a certain age where it hits you emotionally or it hits some, something in your life right. that connects with it. And that's Final Fantasy VIII for me. And I love a lot of those games, but was completely out on 13. Like 13 and 13, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, or whatever the fuck they did with that. <laughs> like I just could not get into it. I tried. Not my thing. Uh, and 14, of course, MMO, not my thing also. I, I don't know what 15 is going to be. I've seen a lot about it, just these dudes broing out in a car, traveling the countryside and fucking monsters up. I don't if that's just it, kind of in. Um, and the combat is much more action-oriented, and I really appreciate a turn-based style, but understand the need to advance and evolve and try different things. I, I would love if Final Fantasy was a thing again, if Final Fantasy was a big event again. Uh, and I love Japanese RPGs, so... What is that game? I don't really know. Is it going to be good? It was initially versus 13 how many years ago? And they've had to like adapt right. it to become a, a big, fully-fledged game. There's so much weirdness to it. But I think if you see my list, a lot of stuff is weird. A lot of stuff is like, what's this going to be? Um, right. <laughs> that's, that's so true. <laughs> it's kind of the theme of this. So I'm excited for Final Fantasy 15, whether it bombs or whether it is the bomb. Either one. <laughs> I like it. I like I'll it. Keep going. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I, I kind of feel the same way a little bit about that one in terms of I, I too, really loved like seven and eight yeah. and uh, have not really been a huge fan of the franchise since then, but would love to to get back into it. Nine and ten are good. Nine and ten are good. That's what I've heard. I've heard nine and ten are good as well. I never really played them, though. I don't know why. Uh, so holds up. But at the time, they were great. 
Well, maybe. Yeah. I, I, so if, if they've got a good one that comes out and it sounds like it's something that is going to be up my alley, I'd definitely be excited for it. Totally. Um, my next one is I got to move into like some bigger games because I'm going to seem like, cause again, I've been saying all these small games. Uh, I'm really excited about Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Yeah. Um, I loved Mirror's Edge. It was one of those games that I, I don't know why it wasn't, I don't, maybe it was huge. I didn't realize it, but I didn't know anybody that had Mirror's Edge. Mm. But I was just like, guys, you are missing out. It's like, First person free running. It's so amazing. And uh, when they added, I don't know uh, if you played Mirror's Edge or not. Yes. Um, okay, so you did. Uh, the initial playthrough of the game was incredible. It was very short, obviously, but a, a fun experience. Um, but later on, they added this free download that was just sort of a open world. Not really open world, but it was basically just the free running. Yeah. Um, I played that all the time. I love that mechanic. The mechanic of this game. Like again, this is another game much like Hitman. I don't really care about the story that much. I wasn't really listening when people were talking. I was just enjoying the feeling of being somebody who can run on a building and, you know, do all these insane things and to to have that on these new systems and like a PS4. They just if they if they nail it like they did with the first one, I'm I'm just so excited. And I believe this one is going to be an open open world. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that there is just honestly, I will play through the game story. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I will. But if there is just a mode where they just let you run around the city, I would probably play that a million times more than I would even play the story mode. I'm interested to see the reaction to it because when it released, it was part of that EA's trying new things. They're investing in IP and that was Dead Space and Mirror's Edge and Dead Space took off and Mirror's Edge kind right. of had this cult following surrounding it uh, where everyone kept clamoring for it at a sequel. But it's like, okay, but you realize no one really bought this. Like, the people bought it, but right. not, not It's similar to that uh, Beyond Good and Evil argument where it's like, it's sold to just enough people that they're really loud. And I love that game. Um, they talk about a sequel, but it's like, okay, but you're going to buy this, right? Like, can you sign a contract to say you're going to buy this? Because otherwise, we're going to waste <laughs> exactly. some fucking money. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's, games it's are still a business. Yeah, yep. and it's it's a risk. And you know, it's easier than making a Mirror's Edge 2, making another Battlefield. Like, that's, and that's but I'm happy they're. <laughs> I'm happy they're doing it. I am excited to see it. And like, I, for me, Mirror's Edge kind of fell apart when you had a gun in your hand, and it seems like that is not. Yeah, I hated. I always played it passive. Such I, a I bad shooter. Yeah, oh, and it seems God. like they're getting rid of it, and that's you know, crossing my fingers that works out, and it feels just as good. Man, there's a lot of good games because the next one for me uh, is a PS4 exclusive called Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh, this is the open world like future but it's like future prehistoric like where there's robot dinosaurs and you have a crossbow so this is from the kill zone developers this is from gorilla games um oh nice and, uh if you haven't seen this you should look it up because it's i i remember seeing a trailer uh, yes. at e3 and being like holy fucking shit because the exciting uh, part was every time gorilla came out it's like look i really like kill zone 2 uh and then kill zone 3 is like okay cool and then shadow falls like Okay, we get it. Like dudes, in the, they kind of look like Darth Vader, and you're shooting them. Like right. it, they, <laughs> it never really. It felt like they could do so much more. Um, and finally, when the when the the Gorilla Games guy came out, you're like, oh no, it's gonna be another kill zone, isn't it? But then it's like, no, it's gonna be this open world, like almost Tomb Raider esque, because you're this like this lady with a bow, like, but you're hunting crazy metal dinosaur right. in this insanely colorful and unique looking kind of lush world and i just so badly want to see what those people can do when they're not 
making Hellgast and making lame, very one-dimensional characters. Uh, maybe this will turn out to not be great and it just looks better from the outside, but I'm just excited that they are kind of given this free reign to do something else. It's For me, it's I, I love sequels, but Look at Naughty Dog when they stopped doing Uncharted. I know it's you know there's different teams there, but when that team stopped doing Uncharted and they did The Last of Us, that's it's fucking amazing game. Uh, oh my god, one of my all time favorites. It's it's so unbelievably good. And speaking of a good story, but and that's kind of what I like to see other developers do is get the clout to be able to be like, okay, like we're not just we don't need to make a sequel to sell it. We need to like, okay, we're the people who made that game. Now let us do something different. And that's what I want to see with a. Uh, with Sucker Punch, they do like uh, Infamous, and they did you know, Infamous One, Infamous right. Two. And Second Son was like, eh, this is not that great. I really want them to go out and do something new, and this is I'm happy Gorilla gets to do it, and I'm looking forward to playing Dinosaur Tomb Raider. See, like the 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 E3 demo, I'm like, okay, robot dinosaurs, you have my attention. Yep. Um, but now that you just said that this could be Gorilla Games' Last of Us, now I'm like really excited yeah, about who it. Who knows? Exactly, we don't. But if it is that, oh my god, like that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, so, and it's uh, like a setting you don't often see open worlds in. And I, are you, are you able to ride those things? Can you ride a metal pterodactyl? Because if so, like, remember why I said <laughs> don't pre-order games? Fuck that, pre-order this. <laughs> no it's, kidding, right? It's like, ah, uh, oh, so that's yeah, that's my other AAA one. That's awesome. Um, another one I'm looking forward to is uh, the new Deus Ex. Yeah, because uh, I love that series. Uh, love that series. The last one was a lot of fun. I mean, it wasn't like a perfect game by any stretch, but I just enjoyed the shit out of it. And um, the you know what's funny? Like, there's certain mechanics in games, like little mini games, that I just get addicted to. The hacking mini game in the last yeah. Deus Ex game, I I was like, can somebody make this into a full game? Because <laughs> for whatever reason, I just it was like the most comforting, enjoyable experience. It's good. And I loved it. I loved every time I had to hack something. Uh, so looking forward to it. And that's another one that, uh, th- I mean, they try to have a really, you know, uh, heavy story. And the last one didn't really sit with me like the original game did or anything. Um, but it was interesting enough to keep me going. And I'm excited to see what they're able to do with this next one. So. Yeah, it was super fun. I when I went to PAX East, one of my I think it was my first industry event. I uh, met the the team behind them and got to interview them, and it was just super interesting to pick, pick their brains and for oh, me to tell so them. Cool. It was super cool. And I uh, I played that game wrong is the way I would put it. Where like the first I remember within like the first hour, there's this police station you're supposed to sneak into and get something, and I'm really bad at being stealthy. Uh, and I'm talking about the last one. So which what was the name of that game again? Deus Ex. What? Oh, this is gonna kill me. <laughs> now I need to Google it. Oh no. I know, I was gonna say I can't what the I, I always just call it Deus Ex. I never remember the Human Revolution. Woo, okay. Human uh, Revolution, there we go. So I, you are supposed to go on this police station and you're supposed to sneak into it. And I just went in the front door. Uh I remember, <laughs> and they're all like, Hey, and they just start shooting me. I killed everyone. Like everyone in that building. <laughs> um and it took me like three hours. And I remember like my roommate at the time in college also had the game and he's like Dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just playing the game. He's like, I got out of here in like five minutes and didn't have to do any of this. So I killed, let's say, 120 people. And they're all just in there. And those <laughs> bodies stayed in there for the first half of the game. So like, I would come back and I'd be like, I wonder if, and there's just dead like bodies. I'm like, oh my oh god. My if god. there's a crime, no one's going to be around to do anything. I just wiped out the police station. <laughs> and I just played the game stupidly like that. Like where I, uh, at one point, accidentally killed like a quest character. And like, 
carried their body with me to be like, no, I can't let you go behind you as a meat shield. And then like, <laughs> there's this grandma who's like, you need to do a quest for, and she, she's talking about, you need to feed her. So I picked up the fridge and threw the fridge at her thinking that would be a good idea. Instead, just failed the quest. Like I had so much fun playing that game super incorrectly, but hell of a okay. time. You need to come. You need to live stream in its entirety the the next one. Like I, I want to see what you do with that game. It's so <laughs> dumb. I just I like. There are times where I really want to play a game like clean cut, like straight through the right way. But other times, I I made a point in my head of like I'm gonna play this how I want to play this. If Granny wants to eat, she's gonna eat the fridge. Like that's was like my <laughs> philosophy in that one. And she ate that's that amazing. Another sequel, which is a big theme of this. There's a lot of actually really interesting new ideas here, but uh, a sequel that I think is going to be different is Mafia 3. And this is a weird one because not a lot of people liked Mafia 2 uh, because it was this open world Mafia game where there wasn't really anything to do in the open world other than the main stuff. And here's my argument against that. I get overwhelmed with big games. Always have, always probably will. Like it, I just beat The Witcher 3 and that might be the first like massive open world RPG I actually completed. Uh, just because I get, it's like, okay, I'm into this. I made my character. Here we go. And then I pick up one side quest. Then I pick up a dozen side quests. Then I have like 30 side quests and like four different branching main quests. And I almost get stressed. I'm like, well, I, nope, can't do it. Um, <laughs> and Mafia 2 was great to have like, I felt like I was playing an open world game that really set, once again, a time and a place. Uh, and it used that world to put you in there. But you had this very specific goal. And I thought it was an interesting story. And Mafia 3. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Kyle's, Kyle Kingsbury, the former UFC fighter, is uh, doing the, the voice work for the main character. What? I know. So uh, I was listening to the Joe Rogan experience. And he was on there. And out of nowhere, he starts talking about this thing he's working on. He says, like, I was doing the voice work for Mafia 3. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, so he's the main character. Um, Holy shit. I know. So, yeah, people don't know. Like, we're... Both Tommy and I are big MMA fans, and uh, yeah, Kyle Kingsbury um, on the Ultimate Fighter. He had kind of an up and down UFC career. Uh, he's recently retired, and he's yeah, he's doing the voice work for that game. So and it, and it, great guy too. I'm like, he, great guy, super cool dude. And like immediately, I'm like, okay, yeah. much more interested in this. But uh, you know, it's set in New Orleans. It has this very specific like hard style. It's it's. I think they're gonna learn from their quote-unquote mistakes with the second one and make more in it so that might turn me off but i'm still excited to see what it is i like very serious timepiece games like that so who knows there's not a lot out there of it but i'm at least interested to see how it turns out so I'll say what you could definitely work in the marketing department for a game company <laughs> because i had no interest at all in mafia 3 i played mafia 1 for 10 seconds and was like what the fuck is happening yep. never played mafia 2 but now I want to get Mafia 3. This is what you just said. As a community manager and editor for a studio, hopefully I can continue to do this when the game <laughs> that we're working on starts going out there. And then I'll be able to be like, this shit's cool. Even I think it looks, I think it's really great. But even if I thought it was shitty, I would tell you it's great. So, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, you're, you're good at it. So I'm kind of getting down to the uh, games I'm embarrassed to be excited about. Yes. Um, but there is one before I get to that, which is I had no idea. Again, this is one I found out yesterday. Telltale Games is making a Batman game. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Holy shit! Like, I love Telltale style. I love that. It's so fun. And for them to do a Batman game, I don't know what it's going to be. Is it going to be like campy Batman, like 1960s? Whatever Adam the hell West it's going to be. Adam West oh my Batman. god, how great would that be? Like, it, it, there's so much they can do with a Batman game. And to put it in their hands, I'm just, sign me up. Like, yeah. I, I cannot wait to see what that's like. Yeah. I'd, 
I I'm a little bit telltaled out for a bit, but I feel like <laughs> something like that could bring me back in. Uh, speaking of things I am like a little bit tired of, uh, I love Demon Souls. I love Dark Souls. I skipped oh, yeah. Dark Souls too. I love Bloodborne. Bloodborne was actually the 1099's game of the year last year. Oh, uh, holy crap! Yeah, that was that was a fun podcast. Uh, and Dark Souls three, I am not. It, it, I have like a little section of my notes as quick hits. So things that like don't really make the the cut, but I still want to talk about Dark Souls three. It's I think it has like the original creator on it, the guy who was doing Bloodborne while Dark Souls Souls two was being made. So it's it should be a big awesome thing, but too many souls games i'm a little bit worried about kind of uh, fatigue in that area i feel yeah. it uh i i'm considering i have dark souls 2 that i haven't played yet and i'm considering playing it but i also want to know if i should wait for dark souls 3 so just that game is coming out i at least want to keep my eye on it but i just i played the hell out of bloodborne but don't really know if i want to if i'm ready to jump back into another one of those games so. if they're gonna do the lovecraftian stuff like they did in bloodborne oh, i'd be uh, i'd be excited for it so good the style of that game was so good yeah right. yeah that's all i'll give on dark souls 3 though i'm I'm down to just like one or two more games so i've got i've got four left all right um two two of which again i'm embarrassed about the other two i'm not necessarily uh we'll go with the less embarrassing ones first uh ea sports ufc 2 oh yeah for several reasons one i am Tommy Toehold. Uh, so <laughs> naturally, I'm going to be excited about a, a UFC game. What I really liked the last one. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I, I really, uh, you hated it. <laughs> I reviewed that for GameSpot. I might have given that a five. We can talk about that later. But no, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And it, it, it's again, I knew it was not a game that everybody was going to enjoy. For whatever reason, though, me and my friends, we played the shit out of it together, yeah. uh, and I just had a lot of fun. And I love how much they updated the roster throughout the year for free that was really cool mm. um as the game went on they were like oh yeah by the way here's five five other guys that are you know currently fighting the ufc that are going to be in big fights and you just you just download them for free um so with the new one and you know I, and there's several games on this list that are are on this list for this exact same reason when you get a second chance to make a game yeah i feel like a studio is going to be able to to right some of those wrongs they, they're going to be able to look back and go okay this is where we failed. Let's see if we can make this better. Or, you know, maybe they just go and do the same thing twice and whatever. But there's always that hope. So that's my hope for EA UFC 2 is that it does get those things right that a lot of people didn't really care for about it. And there are some things that I would like it to be better at with as well. But there's a second reason I want this game. And it's, again, if anybody knows about my YouTube channel, uh, my most popular video... <laughs> is a glitch video from EA UFC yep. where I took a compilation of glitches and commentated over them as the commentators from the UFC. If the, if I get something like that again, it's going to be a pretty good payday for me. Yeah, so, really. <laughs> that's another reason I'm looking forward to those EA UFC too. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Those went around the GameSpot people. I was <laughs> a lot of people was talking were talking about <laughs> those when so they came awesome. out. Uh yeah, I, I had a lot of issues with how the game plays where the ground game was kind of muted because if you just tap away at r3 you can kind of force a stand up so i felt like that's true it, it was there was very much like i would never take anyone down no one ever take me down because like well i i'm just gonna stand up and i really like the complexities complexities of mma and passing guard and doing that stuff and if if they've and i've heard it's it's looking better i had very high expectations when i went to e3 i got a, a private demo of that with the creative director and i um interviewed him for a feature on GameSpot. so i kind of had a lot like personally like into that and you know mma one of my favorite sports and I follow it religiously. So I 
there's definitely some fun with that game, but I really hope they can nail it this second time. I do think a second chance is a good thing. And that team is smart. I don't think they were given enough time is what I think really happened. And I think yeah. they understand what was wrong with it. Um, hopefully they saw a lot of that criticism and actually are making something different. Uh, so one of my last games I have on here uh, is Sea of Thieves, which is um, an Xbox One game that is being made by Rareware, which is crazy because Rare hasn't Ooh. made a game so long. And I think very often people look at a team and say like, oh, I loved those old Rare games. Why doesn't Rare make another Banjo-Kazooie that's like that? And it's it's also, it's important to understand that like Rareware, most likely that the majority of the people who are there were not there when Banjo-Kazooie was made. And right. we're not there when those games are made. So I don't know what this game is going to be, but I am a massive Rare fan. I, I love Perfect Dark. I love Donkey Kong 64. I love Banjo-Kazooie. And there's just, I have this soft spot for a lot of those games. Jeff Force Gemini is a really weird game. It doesn't hold up, but man, was it good at the time on N64. And I just want to see what they can make now. And is it going to still have that tone, that charm that Rare has? Are enough people still there who can do that? And uh, it's a pirate adventure game, and that already sounds interesting to me. So Sea of Thieves, it'll be something at least interesting to keep an eye on. So yeah, you have three games left. If you want to just fire them off, let me know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll fire them off here. Uh, so uh, the last one that's not as embarrassing is uh, Star Fox Zero. Oh yeah, another game in development hell. Hey, most of the games we want are in development hell. <laughs> Everything's uh, fine. It's true. <laughs> this whole the industry is just collapsing around <laughs> us. Uh, Star Fox Zero. I don't know what it's gonna be. I honestly have no idea. But I love Star Fox so much and that gameplay style on the N64. And I never ever got that experience again. Um, it was such a short experience. And it was so new at the time. I mean, the N64, you know, uh, that sort of 3D environment. That was the first kind of 3D games I ever played were on the N64. And uh, I remember that one really blew me away. And the Rumble Pack, oh, my God, the controller shook. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, it was something one that really got me. Um, true that. story. I, I, I bought the game and I beat it a bunch of times because, again, it's a super short play. Um, and one time I was with uh, my mom. She took me to Target and they had it. Like, you know how they used to have, like, oh, you just sit here and play the game for a second. Oh, yeah, my neck still hurts from looking up at the Walmart ones. But... Exactly. You have to look, like, like <laughs> 30 feet in the air. I beat Star Fox at a trip to Target. <laughs> from start to finish, yeah. I beat Star Fox. <laughs> Man. Because uh, my mom was doing a lot of shopping. She had a lot to get. And, yeah, I just stood there. I was like, Mom, I'm going to play this game. And before we left, I beat it. I was just like, yes. Oh, my God. So excited to see what happens with that one. Yeah. Um, and, 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 uh, and kind of in that same vein, and th- these are the ones that are, we're going to start getting I'm embarrassing. excited about this. <laughs> okay. There's going to be another watchdogs. Now I know what you're thinking. Like the first watchdogs was a, a bit of a disaster. This is a second chance thing. This is like EA Sports it, Exactly. USA. Exactly. This is what I'm hoping because the idea of watchdogs really did excite me. And then when it came out, I was like, oh, well, that really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But. If this studio, and again, you know, these are the people who make Assassin's Creed and everything else. I mean, I don't actually know if it's the same studio or not, but I mean, it's uh, a different notes. studio, but yeah, still Ubisoft. Okay, still Ubisoft. So, uh, whatever the case is, you know, with a second shot at this, I'm really hoping that maybe this is like what they really wanted that first one to be. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll see. We'll see if it ends up being that or not. But I am excited just to see and give it a second chance. The other thing is, it was it was one of those games that d- was developed like right there in between like ps3 ps4 and uh, you know i wonder like okay you know was it the new hardware was something that it was struggling with whatever the case was i really hope 
this next one is kind of more what they thought it was going to be when they first showed that E3 demo. And totally. I know, I know we shouldn't uh, believe anything we see at an E3 demo anymore, but still, it was something that did really capture my imagination, and, and I want People to see were that. People so someday. excited about that game. So was I. It was one of the most anticipated games, and like I, I agree that it's give them another chance, give them more time, give them more familiarity with the platform. Let's see what happens. Right. And okay, so the last one is super embarrassing. But it's just again, it's one of those things that like when you experience a game with your friends, yeah. it's just it doesn't matter. Call of Duty, whatever Call of That's Duty fine. comes out this year, Call of Duty fifty seven hundred million. I know it's the same bullshit every year. I get it, but it's just playing games with friends. You know, I have uh, a cousin that really that every time the game comes out, we always play together online. Uh, if there's a zombie mode, we'll play that a lot. If there's a you know, obviously multiplayer, we'll play that too. Uh, but uh, him, uh, my brother, and a couple of friends I had from high school, we always had a team. Like, when I was in college, that's what we did. It was like, you know, on a night we had free time, all four of us, five of us would get on. We'd play multiplayer for a, an hour or two, and it was just like a fun time. We all got to talk. I loved like that. Advanced Warfare. I thought that was a really good game. <laughs> like, there you go. See? Yeah. I'm fine. I like Call of Duty. I get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I know it's one of those things. It's like, oh, my God, they're ruining the industry. They just keep pumping out the same bullshit. But it's just... It is very polished. I, you have to admit, like yeah. they have this gameplay format down to a T. Um, and even though you know what you're getting every time you get the game, and it doesn't really change very much, it's still a pretty solid experience. And if you have, like I said, if you can have those really fun experiences with other people, you know, it's enough. You know, of course, I could probably still play the old ones, and we'd probably still have the exact same fun, but. You know, we all end up getting the new game and end up playing it. I don't know. Maybe I'm ruining the industry by getting these every year. But you are ruining the industry. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I think it looks good. And I feel like we, this is just tip of the iceberg. I mean, Far Cry Primal, uh, Mass Effect, and Andromeda is supposed to come out this year. Oh God, that's um, right. Crackdown Three, Gears of War Four, uh, Quantum Break looks interesting. Dead Island Two. I mean, you go down the list. There's just Ooh, Dead Island Two. Uh, oh. Yeah, there's just a lot. A lot going on this year. Hellblade, uh, and even games have already come out, like The Witness, that Dragon Cancer, and like, there's just. Yeah. I'm excited for this year more than I've been excited for a while, and I'm I'm saying that as someone who's now out of that kind of industry grind where you're thinking more about critiquing a game and playing it quickly than just sitting down and enjoying it. And it's I I'm making right. an effort to play more games. I think a lot of this started when I did that Game of the Year podcast with uh, some of my friends and we went down these games that I'd never played and I'm like, I'm missing out on this. So, uh, yeah, I video games are pretty cool and <laughs> I'm excited to kind of that, that now these consoles are kind of hitting their stride uh, to see what happens and if we really get something amazing this year uh, because last year was really good after kind of a down year before that and I, yeah, this is... I. I'm excited to do a game with your podcast at the end of the year and see what comes up and see if like is Firewatch going to be on that? I hope so. Like, yeah, I, it's certainly one that I would think is um, a unique experience that you're not going to get at least you know every year either. You know, so that's, what if there uh, are ten better games than that though? That's, that's pretty cool point. too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 exciting, uh, and I can't believe we've been talking for two hours. It's crazy. But it's really crazy. I was like in my mind, I was like, we could probably you know probably bang this out in like an hour. <laughs> double that. Like, I, yeah, this has been great. This has been just uh, kind of energizing to talk about all this stuff. So, Tommy, thank you so much for just babbling for two hours with me about <laughs> no a whole problem. bunch of video games. And hopefully, someone's listening to this and they're like, either like, oh, these guys are making sense, or like, what idiots? Like, who cares about the new college? <laughs> 
And none of that stuff in your Firewatch discussion was right. Everyone's nice in that game, and Delilah doesn't have any weird intention. <laughs> so if, if you want to just promote anything right now, what, where can people find you and what you're doing? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Tommy Toehold, if you want to chat with me. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, I have uh, several YouTube channels, so we're going to have to run through this real quick. Uh, YouTube.com slash Tommy Toehold if you're into MMA. I have another YouTube channel, which I don't know if it actually has a name yet, because I, you have to like kind of wait a little bit. on it. It's brand new. But if you're into general sports, look up Sammy Sports Guy. Uh, it's, it's another character just like Tommy. Uh, and I also have a gaming channel, which I'm really, really proud of. We have about 90 videos. It's not gameplays. It's not Let's Plays. I mean, there's a couple of them on there. But it's, it's original content, uh, mainly comedy, uh, that's uh, based around games. I think people would really dig it. It's called Noober Goobers, Noober Goober Gaming. So look that up on YouTube. And uh, yeah, oh, and uh, Bushido Talk, uh, my podcast. We're a uh, MMA podcast every Wednesday and Sunday after fights. I really, I really want to be on the one after the latest Conor McGregor fight so badly. I want to so badly talk about whatever happens on that one. We'll get uh, you on there, man. Yes, I'm, I'm, re- I'm reserving a seat is what I'm saying. I'm at least, I'm putting my name in a hat. <laughs> uh, sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again. And thanks everyone for spending two hours listening to this. And hopefully you're back for the next episode of the 1099.